Hey, everybody. Welcome back to D3 Glory Days on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. We're back with another episode involving the rankings. This is going to cover off on what to expect this weekend at a lot of interregional battles across the nation. There are four big meets that we go into and we give an update on our top 10 rankings. As well, we brought back Bijan Mazahari to explain his lactic.com website, the new and greatest website on the internet that you can simulate cross-country races and figure out where your team stacks up. You can find that in the show notes. Yeah, we talked for about 10 minutes with Bijan and went right into the rankings with Emily Richards. We retracted some statements we made in the previous episode. Teams are starting to show their true colors, and I think we're going to see a lot more of that this weekend at Augustana, Rowan, Con College, and at Oberlin. A lot of action coming right at you. Once again, if you enjoyed this podcast, follow us on social media, share it with a friend, tweet at us, let us know your comments about the rankings. We love to hear it. We're excited to bring you this coverage and bring you more interviews next week. So stay tuned. As always, here's to the glory days. Before we get into the newest set of rankings, we brought on the man behind the latest and greatest website on the internet, Lactic. If you haven't been to lactic.com, it's where we're pulling our data from for the rankings and it's a whole algorithm. But Bijan Mazahari, episode five, I want to say you were on. He comes back to join the team as the chief technology officer, the data man himself. Bijan, welcome back to D3 Glory Days. Yeah, thanks. It's good to be back. Um, I've been I've been chatting with Noah and Stu kind of about, you know, getting this website up for a while. So it's it's nice to have it up. I know it's not perfect still. There's still some kinks being worked out with how to weight the various performances because, you know, it seems that people don't don't race all, all out all the time and sometimes they race really really quite a bit slower than they than they can. So it's very hard to figure out Take us through kind of what this means and how you go through it. You know, when you set up, when you get to the landing page, the homepage, it shows, you know, some quick links. So if you were to run a simulation of, let's say the D3 women's team, you hit simulate and rank, but what does that all mean? What's going on behind the scenes that you can help better explain this ranking slash simulation that you've created? The the primary thing that Lactic does is it is it kind of lets you compare between different cross-country courses. So and it basically does exactly what you would do if you felt like a course was fast. So maybe you go uh, to some results and all of a sudden you see these really fast times and you're confused because you're like, what the heck? This I know this guy's a 15-minute 5K or how did he run 24 minutes flat in an AK? Maybe what you would deduce is that, okay, it's short, and you know a 15 minute guy can run 24 minutes so that means if someone else ran a bit slower maybe someone ran uh 24 30 you'd say okay that's more like a you know a 15 20 or something you know it's, it's a bit slower and we'll we'll do everything relative to that that 15 minute guy that's basically the intuition behind what's happening except that it's doing it for 
kind of all of the runners. So, you know, maybe that individual person just had an amazing race, but on average people, uh, on average, the course actually was correct. And that 15 minute person just trained their, their ass off over the, over the summer. If you were to kind of average this over a lot of different people and you kind of like, okay, on average, 15 minute people run 25 minutes or whatever, um, then you could kind of have a reference point. Now, this is all done in terms of percentages. Re really what's happening is kind of take 15 minutes, multiply it times one and two thirds. Um, you know, that's kind of what's determined. And that's how you get to 25 minutes for, for, uh, for AK time. Um, so if you were converting a 30 minute 5k, um, you know, the, the conversion would not be the same amount of time. So this is basically done with every single pair of races. So it's not just the 5k performance, but it's okay. I have Paul short and I have purple Valley. People ran a minute slower at purple Valley than they did at Paul short. So it, it, generally, you know, so it kind of gets the sense that a perform, you know, the way you compare, compare performances there is right around a minute difference. And it can kind of use that to chain together different races. And that's how you get these, um, that's how you get these scores that are all relative to a, a 5k PR. So that's, that's the core idea behind um, Lactic. Uh, the other thing it does is these team rankings, it basically just simulates individuals. So, you know, some mistakes that some, uh, that a, you know, naive system might make is thinking that one team beating another team in a dual meet would mean that that team's going to beat them at nationals. And that's obviously not true. Um, if you don't believe me, you automatically win a dual meet uh, if you get first, second, third. So consider a team that has three amazing runners. So team A beats team B, they go one, two, three, and then four and five are like, uh, they run an AK in like 90 minutes. So they win the dual meet always, but now go to nationals. At nationals, they score six points for their first three and their last two each score like 350 points. So they're not doing better than 700 points. Whereas the team that they're beating might have their pack coming in at a uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, you know, and, and they could win the meet. So essentially the, the idea is by, by scoring an actual meet, in a field, um, you can get more accurate rankings in terms of um, in in terms of how teams will do at a in a specific field, uh, and and that's pretty much it. You know, there's some some complicated statistics that's not far been super successful in terms of trying to figure out which races um, are the ones that indicate how good someone is um, because. Um, so that, so you'll see the weighting if you go to a profile, um, that's kind of still changing a bit, um, as I try to figure out what the right thing to do is, but, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty much all that lactic is doing. Um, but it ends up being kind of a nice tool, I think for, for ranking and for, uh, kind of previews of, of races to come. So when you're on a simulation, you'll see your team name, you'll see a, a place and it's in, you know, for example, Johns Hopkins women, they're 1.3 and their range is between first and second. So of the simulation that you ran, you know, how many times is it simulated to get this average ranking of 1.3 in the range of one to two? 
Yeah, so in the simulator, um, it doesn't just score a kind of one possibility of the race. What it does is based off of, you know, maybe five, 10 performances of the runner, it can kind of match your ability to a bell curve. So, you know, someone who's running, going out and running a lactic equivalent of 15 minutes uh, every single week, you know, they'll have a very, very small standard deviation. So the prediction will be that they're likely to run right around 15 minutes, whereas someone who's all over the place, uh, maybe they're less consistent. The idea is it, for a thousand simulations, it kind of just picks a performance from that bell curve for each runner. So your inconsistent runners will have good races. They'll have bad races. Your consistent runners will kind of always have the same kind of a race, but the field will be moving around, right? So that their place might change. The other element it takes into account is uh, if you have a runner who's kind of uh, at the front of a pack, the easiest way to think about that is maybe you've got a runner who's seated first, right? There's, that doesn't mean their average finish is going to be first because when they do better, they're still first. Um, but those bad days are really going to hurt them. So, uh, you know, that will be taken into account. So you do all of this and it kind of just collects aggregate, um, statistics on the place. So if it says like, uh, 1.8, it means that, you know, it's usually the average finish is 1.8. It'll rank people based on their average finish, but you can also click the arrow, um, and get a histogram of kind of where they finished in those thousand simulations. So when someone's looking at this and they run this simulation, should they see this as current rankings or a simulation of the national meet? Or, and I guess that's another question that we've been talking about offline is should rankings be a prediction of the national meet or should it be in present day? I think it's a little bit of both. Pretty interesting philosophical question, I guess. Um, it's just like um, what, what, what rankings mean? I, I think you can kind of see it, I think you should see it as kind of a, what would happen if we ran nationals now? It's not making any sort of if inference about like, oh, we know, um, you know, Williams always peaks super well. I'm just throwing out Williams because I went there. Or, you know, some other school always bombs at national. like it can't learn that. So not yet, at least. Uh, not yet. So, it, you know, it can't, it kind of can't make those inferences. It can't say, oh, well, so-and-so is running way too fast early in the season. They're like never going to be able to hold this up um, versus, you know, so-and-so who seems to just be tempoing all their races. Can't really, really tell the difference there. It, it will try. Um, that's some of the thing I've been working on is trying to figure out, okay, if someone ran amazing last year and so far seems to be tempoing everything, like, what do you do with that? But yeah, I, I would, I would read it as kind of like a, if we were to race nationals now, um, not in November, what, what would we expect to see happen? So uh, we have the liberty then at D3 Glory Days to take your data, look at it and give it a little personal touch to make our own rankings with the idea that potentially later down the line, we could be wrong and the computer could be right. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. you know, <laughs> People, you know, uh, the, the computer could be wrong. The computer could be right. Cross country, I, there's a reason we don't, you know, we race a national meet. We don't just, it's not like, oh, you know, here are the national teams, like Bijan, go, go, uh, go put the teams in and tell us who's all American and we'll send them medals. Like um, we run the race for a reason. Um, As the Wood so Report would say, says on Twitter, he's a D1 
ranking guy. I think he coaches at BYU. He says computers don't run races. Yeah, they don't. And I think this could put a nice, uh, add a nice context to like finding where the really amazing performances were. Um, right now, if you go to a meet, uh, like a, a click on a meet in the website, you can kind of see arrows showing like, oh, wow, this person really outperformed um, kind of the expectation or, you know, this person, uh, you know, ran, didn't run well. So you can kind of get a sense, which I think is nice. Um, but yeah, the, the computer doesn't run the race. Anything can happen at nationals. Um, so anyone can have an opinion about what's going to happen. Well, thank you for coming on and explaining it. I know there's been some questions coming your way. There's definitely been uh, comments our way, which, you know, we appreciate it's The whole point of this is to generate some buzz around D3 cross country. And you've definitely done that. So thanks for joining our team and providing context to your elaborate algorithm. Yeah, no problem. All right. Welcome back to D3 Glory Days, another rankings edition. You just heard from Bijan about what Lactic is, the tool that he developed. Hopefully that gives you a little better idea of what we're looking at when we develop these rankings, what he was looking at when he developed his algorithm. And you can go out and check that website. Once again, they'll be in the show notes. Make sure to check that out. So as we move into our second rankings episode, we're joined by a special guest, episode four, Emily Richards. She is now on the staff of D3 Glory Days as our chief correspondent on the field, as she was uh, had boots on the ground at Prenets. What was that, last weekend already now? Emily, Hi. welcome back to the show, and thanks for coming on, and tell us a little about what you saw at Prenationals. Yeah, Steve, thanks for having me. Yeah, that was two weeks ago, beginning of October there. So just after the last um, rankings came out. So quite a bit has changed, but um, yeah, some good things happened. Um, it was fun to watch Johns Hopkins women kind of shake things up in a different distance and be competitive against some division one and division two schools. CMS's women kind of stole the show there in the pre-nats race. So without Johns Hopkins in there, uh, it was a bunch of yellow and maroon up front there. And then on the men's side, MIT was pretty dominant. All their men crossing within 20 seconds of each other. So some really competitive things happening. And I think um, a really good glimpse at what to look forward to uh, come November. And you're obviously coaching at your alma mater, Ohio Northern. So you may not have been paying super close attention to both those top teams packs, as you just mentioned, but did you see them move up throughout the race and kind of work together? Because from those who weren't at the race, you only get two split markers and it looked like they moved up, but how aggressively, you know, were those two teams moving up throughout the race? Yeah, I was able to see a couple spots. Um, I think what really impressed me was the way CMS's women raced because they, you know, had really good positioning from the start in a race like that with tons of teams in there. Positioning was really key. And that's something that I know some of our athletes got burned by not getting out hard enough. If you're letting a team's entire, you know, five scores in front of you before, you know, the first mile, then it's going to be pretty hard to, to move up in races like that. But CMS's women, I think, went straight to the front from the gun. That first pack had four of them in it and they just hung on as long as they could. And I think that's what 
what helped them place the way that they did and race the way that they did. Um, so I thought that was really impressive. Yeah, as we'll get in here, we kind of analyze some of these top 10 teams, their packs compared to what others are running right now. And as we're now just getting into the pre-regional, inter-regional weekend here of the season, we have four big meets on tap. We have Augustana down in Illinois, hosted by Augustana College. Out east, we'll have Conn College in the Midwest. Oberlin will host some strong teams as well. Out east again will be Rowan. But let's dive into things. Last weekend, we started with the women. Let's jump there again and start with them and kind of hear about what they're looking at. You know, off the bat, you already mentioned Johns Hopkins and CMS ran really well at the pre-national meet. Johns Hopkins, as you said, in the, in the gold race. So they ran a 5K. You know, they ran solid enough. I think the equations that you run to convert 5K to 6K don't change a whole lot. I think they even would beat CMS's team anyways. And so, as I said last weekend, you got to lose to give up your number one spot. So Johns Hopkins stays the same. And as you mentioned, if CMS wins a race, uh, you know, they, they keep their second spot. What do you think in your opinion, what's it going to take to beat Johns Hopkins? You're able to see them in person, kind of analyze their results. They have a really strong split of 23 seconds. You know, how do you take down a defending national champion team with a 23 second split? Yeah, it's going to probably take Johns Hopkins to have a bad day, a really bad day, and CMS to have a really, really good day, which it's a national meet. Anything can happen. But I think what impresses me the most about Johns Hopkins women's team is just the depth that they have. They had 10 women in that gold race who ran all of them were under 19 minutes for 5k except for one and that one was pretty close to 19 flat so <laughs> that depth is pretty strong and even cms has has some depth for sure i think there were a couple um women in there who maybe didn't have the race they're capable of and there was one who um didn't have results from the meet either and i think um she had been a scorer at, at previous meets so you know you plug some of those women in and maybe they have better races I, I think that could help, but I think they just lack the depth that Johns Hopkins has. So <laughs> if Johns Hopkins loses some top ones from injury or sickness or just have a bad day, that might be the only thing that takes them down. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be scary for the, for the rest of the nation, but they'll head over to Rowan, which will be a good test. We have a team in the top 10, actually two teams in the top 10 that will be there as well. So that would be a good top 10 show. And we'll get to who those teams are here in a second. But this weekend is all about matchups. Finally, we can kind of start comparing people, teams, I should say, together and who they're racing against. You know, number three, we're moving up a spot here uh, off of their pretty dominant Brisbane Lundeen performance. Uh, but we should give a huge shout out to Cassie Rosenbaum, who put 85 seconds on the entire field. And so you Chicago ran really well as a team, but Cassie ran 85 seconds faster than you Chicago's top woman in their, in our rankings, third of the nation. So that's gotta be a really good sign for, for Cassie. Do you have any thoughts on Cassie Rosenbaum? She's 2019 10K champion, all American and cross country was a guest on the podcast. So we know her well over here at D3 Glory Days. Yeah, I think she's definitely in strong contention for the individual title. And, you know, on a weekend like pre-nets, 
weekend when everyone's kind of looking at that race, but obviously there were really strong performances at other races. She sent a really strong message that weekend. And, you know, even um, Evie mentioned her uh, in last week's podcast as, as someone who to look out for in that, in that women's race. And um, yeah, no, I think the, the year off did her well and she's out to prove that. So it'd yeah. be cool to see her come back and compete to what she's capable of. Yeah. And talking a little bit more about you, Chicago, as we mentioned, she, you know, put 85 seconds on that whole team. They have a pretty strong pack as well. 38 seconds, one to five, and they're led by three women who have freshman eligibility. We should do our research and figure out if they are actually freshmen or if they are are, uh, just that eligibility wise, but you have a young team being ranked pretty high, you know, that's going to take some leadership there. And so juniors, Sarika, Tame, Boppet and Caitlin Van Balen are going to have to step up as senior as not senior leaders as junior leaders to lead that squad here. We see our first fall in the rankings. Do you want to give an idea as to why Warburg is now down to number four? Yeah, so Warburg tied with Wash U a couple of weeks ago at home. Um, they have a pretty strong top three up front there but they kind of fall off after that. So there's about 50 seconds from their number three to their number five, which as you can imagine, it's some pretty big meets like nationals. You can fit a lot of bodies in between there. So if they're not able to move up those, that number four and five, I think they're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. And, and they're going to be at Augustana this weekend, same as you Chicago, as we mentioned. And so if you Chicago has a 38 second split again, we could potentially see in uh, not an upset, but you Chicago taking down Warburg despite potentially Warburg having three and, you know, right around their top runners as well. So that's going to be a pretty big matchup to, to watch here this weekend. And number five is staying the same at Williams. They're going to be at Con Cal this weekend, as well as a few other uh, top 10 or just one other top 10 team MIT, but there's going to be a great new England battle. Uh, Bates Bates, who was in our top 10 will be there. Tufts will be there. They're a cusp team as well. So it's going to be a great out East pre-regional pre-NESCAC showdown. So, you know, it's harder to move up Williams at all if they haven't raced in a while, but you know, they're going to stay strong at five. And I wouldn't be surprised if we talk next week that they're in trophy contention, given the rankings, given how well they do. You mentioned Warburg tied Wash U. Uh, they ended up winning that tiebreaker. And so just beyond just behind, excuse me, Williams is Wash U at number six. We mentioned last time in the podcast that we wouldn't be surprised to see them move up throughout the year with their strong pack. And last time we had them at nine and now they are six. We mentioned Warburg's one through three was very strong, but Wash U put a 34 second split in between them. And so in a bigger race, they, they would beat Warburg. So, you know, it's hard to put them after saying that it's hard to put them above Warburg because technically they still lost, but we're going to need the, the real victory to give them that edge to put them into the top five. This women's top 10 is shaking up to be pretty tough to call. And another team that you saw at the pre-national meet we have now moving into our rankings at number seven is a school Wisconsin lacrosse. What makes them a dangerous team come November? Yeah. So lacrosse's women did probably the best job out of any other team there at 
keeping a, a tight pack. They had just 12 seconds split between their scores and they put six in front of CMS's five. So when we're talking about Johns Hopkins and CMS, what it's going to take for CMS to beat Johns Hopkins, that number five has to be better if you're fitting a whole team, um, you know, before, before that fifth score. So with a split t- time like that, 12 seconds, if they can all just move up together, I think that could significantly move their team up the rankings, especially if you're able to race that that closely to each other. Yeah, and they're and they're led by a All-American in track and steeplechase, chase, Emma Maluli. If you all remember that name from our track preview with Jordan Carpenter, he mentioned that all she does is move up and win in some of her track races. She can translate that to cross country, continue to move up in the pack. As you said, yeah, 12 seconds and they're moving up. That's going to be really tough to beat. Uh, they should be the favorites up, not only their conference meet, but also the region right now, now that they're no longer with WashU or U Chicago. So a team that we kind of had to move down just because they lost to lacrosse would be MIT. They, however, they didn't start two of their runners, it looks like, at the pre-national meet. But if you put them back in, given where they were projected based on Bijan's lovely meet tool ranking, which shows where runners who didn't run could be if they did run, they would still lose the cross. So, you know, they came off firing off at Purple Valley. We had them just below Williams, but, you know, a, a few early slip ups here and they're only down two spots to to number eight. I mentioned this off the recording I had a lot of people, you know, reaching out on our social media saying, you're sleeping on this team. You're sleeping on that team. At number nine, we had a few comments that were sleeping on them. Who is it? And why are they in our top 10 rankings now? Yeah. So the women from Dickinson had a really strong performance at um, Paul Short a couple of weeks ago. They were second as a team just behind Miami U of Florida. Um, so really cool to be competitive with a Division One school. And they're led by Isabel Cardi, who obviously um, has had some past success. She ran 20.54 for 6K, which is moving pretty good. I would imagine she'd be in contention for a title as well. And then Elena Clancy is strong contributor there, 21.01. So that's a pretty solid um, one and two um, to lead the, the team from Dickinson. Yeah, the only thing that worries me about Dickinson is after their top two, it's a long way to get to number five. However, you have two top, you know, two top runners like that. You can, you can have a little bit of distance behind to your number five and still score well at the national meet, but you get too far behind them. Then all of a sudden the number five is going to be a pretty big point tally. However, if you have two low sticks, all the better. But yeah, as we compared it, Dickinson, we compared to SUNY G roughly kind of based on what they were running and where they're at. Sunny G dominated their home invite. They're led by Kathleen McCary. It's going to be a young team made up of sophomores and freshmen. They have a 70 second split. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can somehow creep in there between Dickinson's one and two and get their five before their five. They face off this weekend at Rowan. And so we'll have a good idea of where they were. Those two stack up as well as Johns Hopkins. Let's be the weekend. We can see how Johns Hopkins is. This will be their first 6K. So finally, they open up with the 6K. We can see how good they are, or we can see how close Dickinson and Tony G are to them. Emily, let's take a quick break here before we jump into the men's and get your 
insight into this. We know you were a dominant middle distance runner in the 800 and 1500, but you also dabbled in cross country earning an all American. We're coming into this weekend where it's starting to heat up in terms of the meets, you know, it's the pre-regional inter-regional weekend, take a weekend off and it's conference and it's regionals and it's nationals as an athlete who was trying to be, you know, in the top five, maybe even gunning for a national title. How are you feeling going into this type of weekend and, and kind of seeing where you could stack up with the rest of the people and whether it's your own region or other regions? Yeah, October is definitely a crucial month on the, the cross country circuit. You get the first one to kind of refeel what it's like, especially after, you know, two years <laughs> without competition, you know, you kind of bust the rest a little bit that first meet and then September you continue to, to work on fitness and then October is when you really got to grind. So yeah, you, you mentioned some of those postseason meets, conference meets will be coming up at the end of October. Um, that's kind of the start of championship season. That's when you really start to get into a championship mindset and the end of cross country season, you get into a pretty good rhythm. Like all of those postseason meets are at the same time of day. You know, they're very similarly structured and depending on how co competitive your conference and regional meets are, you know, you could have some pretty good um, insight into what to expect at the national meet. For instance, I'm in the Ohio Athletic Conference and we're gonna talk about the men um, in a second here. And, um, you know, the Ohio Athletic Conference has Alex Phillip, they've got Simon Hayes, Jeff Joseph, you know, that conference meet <laughs> could be just like a national meet with those three running up front. So yeah, I think it's just about taking each one of those postseason meets and using them to prepare you for the meet um, at the end of at the end of the season, um, the national meet there. Yeah, that's a great transition of what you got to do to prepare for the end. And I might get some flack for this, or we might get some flack for this. As we said last weekend, you got to lose to give up your number one spot on the women's side. While there are strong teams, Johns Hopkins has performed well enough and has performed better than the other teams to earn their spot still. You know, maybe it's a little bit of recency bias since they are racing. Pomona was supposed to race this weekend at their home invite, but didn't. Both teams didn't. Not sure what's going on there. Hopefully everything's okay and not anything COVID related. However, the performances we're seeing on the men's side with Pomona not racing, it's hard to ignore. And I'm going to take back my statement from last time. And you can give up your number one spot, even though you didn't race, even though you didn't lose when a team runs as well as Warburg did at their home invite against WashU, who's a top 10 team. You can't really ignore that. They put five in front of WashU's number two. We think WashU could be a top 10 team and you're putting five in front of their two. Even when Pomona beat CMS, they weren't putting five in front of CMS's two. So Warburg, welcome. You are now the D3 Glory Days number one team in the nation. However, you all will square off against Pomona potentially this weekend at Augustana. Emily, are, is D3 Glory Days a line sack of crap now for saying what we just did there? Of course not. No, but numbers don't lie here. <laughs> we make the rules, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and another team who, you know, potentially could be arguing they should be the number one spot is Williams. However, we're going to keep them there at number two, just from what they've done at Purple Valley, a team that you saw at pre-nationals was MIT. They ran really well and easily could be arguing that they should be in the top three. 
However, what's the reason why we're going to keep them at number three? Solely because they lost to Williams um, at Purple Valley. So kind of like you said, <laughs> you know, they didn't compete against each other um, at the pre-national meet, but, you know, you default back to that loss and they're still not ahead of Williams as of now. And they're going to be facing off at Con College this weekend. And I believe Williams will take the dub. Sorry, MIT. So there's another reason why we, we're going to have Williams number two there. I don't see them losing to MIT. So that means Pomona is down to number four. They haven't raced in a while, and it's really hard to ignore what's been going on elsewhere. A team that's close to you, Emily, in the OAC jumps up to number five. Another team, many people were saying, you're sleeping on them. Why aren't they ranked higher? And it is clear now who listens to the podcast and who doesn't. We had a whole spiel on how John Cale will be a top 10 team. Just give us another weekend to see where they stack up. Jamie Daly wasn't in their top seven at all Ohio. And if, you know, he's a national qualifying runner and he's not in your top seven yet, you know, what's going on there. We need another week to see. And we saw, and what did we see at Paul Short? John Carroll was one that ran, you know, in similarly to Johns Hopkins women, uh, must be a John thing, I guess, um, <laughs> running. So they ran uh, against division one and division two schools at Paul Short and proved that they are not just competitive in the division three nation, but the entire nation as they placed 15th um, among all of, of those schools, um, schools from all divisions. And Jamie Daly wasn't even a scorer there. You know, he was sixth and, you know, I think he's coming up, you know, he's a guy that's run 24, 15 for 8k and um, has certainly had success in the past. So like I said, October is the crucial month as he starts to, to rise back up toward the top. Um, you know, I think John Carroll could be in contention for a trophy. It's nice to see them at number five, make this list um, as they weren't on it before, but five suits them well right now, right on the cusp there of, of getting a, a team trophy. They're going to be competing at Overland, so it'll be nice to see them face off against Whitewater, who we're getting to. Should be a strong competition, um, and I think you're only going to see this team get better as we get towards the national meet. Yeah, and, and we can't, I think you already mentioned Alex Phillip, but running, you know, it's cross country, sure, times, whatever. People are say what they want to say about cross country times. But as we said, it doesn't hurt to run fast. He ran 23, 39 placed sixth overall in the race, you know, sandwiched between a bunch of D one guys, you know, we had on Simon Hayes, he sees him as a threat. You know, the Williams guys are threats, you know, but Alex Phillip has to be thinking now that he could potentially win a national title for, for his squad. There's gotta be at least maybe eight guys out there, maybe more who think they can do the same thing that, Moving on now to another team that moved up into our rankings. And again, another, I guess not again, but maybe another area where I was wrong or we were wrong last week was SUNY G. I said SUNY G is ranked fourth from the coaches association. And I don't really know why. And now we know why <laughs> they ran really well at their home invite, taking down Middlebury led by Ezra Ruggles running 2410 on a brand new course. So it's kind of hard to idea to figure out what type of courses was. They did have a really cool aerial shot of it and it looks super flat, which, you know, maybe is a little bit comparable to some of these other courses that were ran um, this, that weekend, but 
yeah, looking at what they've done, you know, they have three guys within 45 seconds of each other. And then the next two are right there um, for a total of a 62 second split. But when you have a guy, again, we, we mentioned this not only this weekend, but last time, if you have a, you know, a top runner in a 60 second split, you know, that's, that could be a recipe for success. You know, anything above that starting to get in a little bit of trouble there, but you know, they have some, some guys in between that one and five, they're two and three, Nick Andrews and, and Raleigh Grossman that can really help out and, and keep those points low. So be on the lookout for SUNY G. They're going to be at Rowan this weekend, taking on non-top 10 teams, at least in our book, but they'll take, they'll face off against Johns Hopkins men. Yeah. Moving right along to another team that you mentioned and saw, but on the men's side at pre-nationals was, was the CMS team. You know, take us through potentially what might have happened for them. Did you know, were, was there a few top guys not in their scoring position from earlier in the season? Yeah, they were out Steven Steinberg that past week at pre nets there, um, who had previously, you know, placed in their top two as a scorer. Um, so if you plug him back in there, that takes off about 25 points, which is good, but not quite good enough to beat MIT. So that's why they are where they're at. Yeah, and CMS will continue to be an interesting uh, story here as they look to face off against Pomona, you know, a few more times at conference and regionals. A thing that keeps them looking strong, though, is their tight pack. They'd like to run in packs. Uh, they've done that all year for the most part. And right now from one to five, it's only 25 seconds. So similar to what we said on the women's side uh, with other teams, you know, keeping that strong pack together, but moving up will serve them well. While they did drop in the rankings here, not because of poor performance, but merely because I think other people are running better than them right now, uh, we should probably see them back in contention here later in the year. We'll get a better idea of what Wisconsin Whitewater will look like, you know, maybe with some stronger competition. They had an easy, easy win up at uh, Eau Claire facing off against some coaching, uh, coaching association top 32 teams. However, their fifth man right now is a little far back, just based on what took place at the meet. You know, they had four in the top 10 and their fifth was a little bit back at 24th. I want to say you're going to be at Oberlin this weekend and you're pretty familiar with that course. It's a flat course. So if Wisconsin Whitewater is running on some harder courses, you know, how do you see them kind of taking on a flat course? Yeah, I mean, if they're used to running on challenging courses, this is going to feel so easy. Um, checking the weather, though, it is supposed to rain. Um, I have some pretty awful memories running on that course when it's wet. They say it's still fast when it's wet, but um, sometimes when it gets sloppy, you know, it's it's harder to pick up your legs and, you know, maybe it's not as fast as it normally is. But in good conditions, it's super fast. Who knows if it's actually 8K? That's how fast it is. Um, <laughs> it'll be great to see them kind of shake things up and come over from Wisconsin um, since they're not typically at the Oakland meet. Um, it'll be cool to see them run against John Carroll and see if John Carroll really did earn that number five spot. Yeah, it looks like Whitewater has been a team that's been traveling recently to the good meets. Two years ago, they went out to Con College and, and put their nose in to see how good of a team they are. So it's good to see that they're traveling outside of the region to take on some other competition. You know, two, we mentioned that Warburg and Pomona are going to face off at Augustana, and two other teams that run our top 10 will be there as well. U Chicago is going to stay at number nine. 
you know, they ran well at Brisbane Lundin. They held off a Loris team that is on the rise. Sounds like they had a few runners that didn't run as well and is a team that should be keeping an eye on here as we move into the later part of the season. So they'll sit number nine and Washu will drop from sixth to 10th, mainly because of their performance against Warburg. And, you know, when you have uh, a team put five in front of your two, doesn't look so good. However, it's early, but you know, other teams are running well right now. So they'll be at Augie. They can get redemption on Warburg and maybe close that gap a little bit there. So we got some fun meets coming up. We do. I'm excited. So just to recap on what are the meets we have coming up, we have the Augustana Invitational. I don't think they named it. They got the Con College invite. Williams MIT will be there both on the men and women. Oberlin will, will play host to many of the Midwest schools and Wisconsin Whitewater. Rowan will play host to that Mid-Atlantic non-NESCAC East Coast schools. So we'll see Sunny G in action, Dickinson in action. So there it is, brand new top 10 coming at you for both the men and the women. Stay tuned. Emily will have a preview article here at the end of the week that you could feast your eyes on. If you haven't checked out her recap of pre-nationals, take a look. It was fun to read. Felt like I was there. Emily, <laughs> thanks for coming on. Thanks for rejoining D3 Glory Days and, and welcome to the team. Yeah, thanks for having me excited for what's to come. That does it for another episode of D3 Glory Days on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. Thanks again to Emily Richards and Bijan Mazahari for coming back on the podcast. It was great to get a little bit more in-depth on lactic.com, so make sure you check that out. And it was nice to have Emily share her thoughts on the current top 10 rankings. She'll have a preview article of all the meets this weekend. So be sure to check out our website for that. As I said, more interviews to come next week. So stay tuned. It's cross country. It's amazing. We're back. Here's to the glory days. <laughs>